This is Making Babies, a podcast all about pregnancy. Pregnancy can be such a confusing and anxious time when parents are completely focused on the health of the mother and baby. There are so many questions and so much to learn about all the recommendations and current trends in pregnancy and childbirth. We hope this podcast can offer some answers in a scientific and medically accurate way and along the way provide some really interesting conversations. I'm Blythe Bernhard, medical reporter at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and I'm in my second pregnancy. So I share your curiosity and excitement about this incredible journey that is making babies. Today we are joined in the studio by Michelle Munns, a fellow health reporter at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. She recently took an in-depth look at the problem of opioid use and addiction during pregnancy and how hospitals are dealing with an influx of babies born addicted to the drugs. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me in here. So tell me, how big is the problem of babies born dependent on opioids like prescription painkillers and heroin? And is that number rising? Um, Well, I think we've all heard about the epidemic, and this problem is equally pervasive as addiction uh, in the teen and adult population. Uh, The number of babies born with neonatal abstinence syndrome, which is primarily caused by maternal opiate use has increased about fivefold over the past 15 years, which mirrors the increase in narcotic painkiller prescriptions and um, as well as overdose deaths. So that means about every year 28,000 babies are born dependent, which is one baby every 25 minutes. So it's a lot. Wow. I mean, what symptoms do these babies have when they're born? Well, they cry excessively and uh, can't be consoled. They can tremble and shake, um, have their fists closed, um, sweat, have trouble sleeping, eating. Um, They're at increased risk of breathing problems, and these symptoms can become severe enough where they can have a seizure. So, uh, and one problem is these symptoms, they can take up to five days to begin in babies. So it's important for pregnant women to be honest and open with their providers because you don't want to, you know, send these babies home before they can, before they get the care they need. Wow. And then how how are these babies treated um, when they're born addicted? And do we have to give them drugs to wean them from their addiction? Well, uh, the babies need lots of holding and skin-to-skin contact. They need dim lighting and a quiet environment. Uh, So if those things can't keep them happy, then, yes, uh, a drug treatment is needed. And so they're given morphine to make them comfortable and prevent complications. And then that is slowly decreased until all the symptoms are under control. So that can take uh, as long as like a month or more. Uh, but the average stay in the hospital is 16 days, research shows. So it's a long time. So these babies are essentially going through withdrawals. Yes. From drugs that their moms took while they were pregnant. Right. And, um, you know, one thing is in like an illegal drug like crack or cocaine, like these you can't give a baby <laughs> that after they're born, um, but you can give them morphine. So you can keep them comfortable and keep them happy and, and treat them in that way. So 
Um, it just takes time. So while you were reporting this story, you met a woman, Tamara Collins, who used heroin while she was pregnant. Um, why did she agree to talk about her story, and how are she and her baby doing now? Um, I think Tamara wanted to share her story because she wanted other moms to know that, that they can overcome their addiction. I think she is proud of herself for getting in a treatment program and doing what's best for her and her baby. Um, and she should be. It's very, very difficult. And it's an intense addiction. It requires a lot of work and focus um, to stay clean. You have to go to a methadone clinic every day. She would take, you know, she takes any sort of counseling session she can, group therapy, uh, any parenting class. Uh, she gets a lot of um, support through church. Um, it just uh, takes a lot of focus on her part. And I think she just wanted to sort of be an inspiration to others. So the story mentions a new clinic at St. Mary's Hospital. What is the purpose of this new clinic? So this new clinic was created to care just for moms addicted to opioids. Um, providers there noticed the growing numbers and recognized uh, the intense services that these women need. You know, they need everything from social services to drug treatments and high-risk providers and nurses, and they decided to put, you know, all these, this care team under one roof so they could sort of hyper-specialize in caring for these women. Um, an OB there has a license to prescribe buprenorphine, also known as Subutex, which is emerging as another uh, drug treatment option in, in addition to methadone. Uh, it's been shown to reduce hospital stays in babies, but women have a higher tendency to relapse. So this drug can be initially given at this clinic where the moms can be monitored closely if, for the first couple days because you can also have a tendency to get sick. Uh, and then they stay in close contact with them for the first week. Um, and this clinic also uh, recognizes the need for moms to uh, continue to have care even after they leave the hospital. Uh, so the uh, social workers there stay with the moms for up to two years and make sure that they are getting um, you know, the resources that they need in the community, like counseling, uh, home nurse visits, job services, everything, um, just because they know that this mom will continue to have a difficult you know, road to stay clean and best care for the baby. So I know that uh, this didn't make it into your story, but you learned about the Queen of Peace Center, part yeah. of the support system in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Queen of Peace Center is it's one of those community resources that hospitals are working closely with uh, to make sure moms uh, continue to get the care and services they need after they leave the hospital doors. So this agency uh, helps pregnant and postpartum women uh, dealing with addiction and also homelessness. And it's interesting because it was started 30 years ago in response to the crack epidemic. And the director there told me that now over 50% of their clients use opioids. And they just got a grant to also have their own provider there who can 
prescribe the Subutex um, whenever a woman comes through their through their doors and needs to get into treatment right away. So that agency has changed a lot in response to this epidemic as well. I, I think it's important to note that we're not just talking about heroin. Um, we're talking also about prescription painkillers. And I mean, how many women take those? It's, it's very common. We know that 20% of women are prescribed painkillers during pregnancy. Um, in, in my first pregnancy, I developed shingles in the eighth month, and that was miserable, <laughs> extremely painful. painful. But my OBGYN said, uh, you, sorry, I can't give you anything stronger than Tylenol. Um, but still, a lot of women are being prescribed painkillers. But what are some alternatives that we can look to yeah. for pain relief? Yeah, I think that number is surprisingly high um and and a baby can still have uh, withdrawal symptoms even when the mom has taken a prescription medication so um you know uh there's really an effort now to educate uh the, the ob's in the community to um let them know that yes you know this still has effects on the baby and to try to use other alternatives. Um, the obstetrician I talked to at Barnes Jewish Hospital said she gets that question a lot from providers in the in the community, like, well, what can I do for my patient's pain? What can I do? I, you know, I think it's a dilemma for them because they want to help their patients be um, comfortable. So she tells them, um, yes, to first try t- Tylenol. And things like chiropractic care, massage, um, compresses, a pregnancy belt for for back pain. And then um, she just said, you know, also a lot of reassurance. I think uh, women sometimes just need reassurance that that the pain is is normal and, um, yeah, just that, that everything's okay with them and their baby. So in a very sad story, one of the sadder parts is uh, when you talk to a doctor who said that he's seen women coming straight to the emergency room when they're in labor. And these women have had no prenatal care leading up to that point because they're scared that they're going to get thrown in jail or or lose their kids or otherwise get in trouble for using drugs. Um, So... Can you talk about, is there an effort to change the judgmental mindset and decriminalize this behavior in, in pregnant women? Yeah. Um, every provider I, I talked to who are involved in caring for these women said criminalizing this issue, like threatening moms with jail or prison time, which um, some states have done, like Tennessee, so that is the very last thing that they want to do uh, because, like, this one doctor talked about, you know, moms w- are, will be scared that they they won't get the care that they and their babies need because they don't want to ha- be end up in prison. So, um, you know, unlike legislators, like, these providers see firsthand, you know, how easy it is to get addicted to these drugs and how very hard these women 
um, work to try to overcome their addiction and stay clean. So I think they're much more sympathetic. And and they also see these women they're faced with, you know, for coming from all walks of life. And they can see, hey, this could be my sister. Or this could be my neighbor. This could be my friend. So they are becoming less and less uh, judgmental in their care of these women. So hopefully legislators do the same. (laughs) What happens to these moms and their babies after they leave the hospital? Well, the babies, uh, they can be, you know, extra fussy and have have difficulty sleeping, you know, for several months, um, you know, which, which can be difficult when a mom is is trying to overcome addiction herself and has other needs. So uh, it's just, it's very important that parents continue to get, you know, services they need in order to thrive and also help their baby thrive. Uh, Because, you know, research so far into the long-term outcomes for these babies is that that they will be fine. They will be on par with the their counterparts if they get the supports that they need at home, which is key. So environment does play a big role. We've been talking today to Michelle Munns, health reporter at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Thank you so much for helping us understand this troubling problem. Thanks for having me. And to read Michelle's story, please visit the health page at stltoday.com. You can find this and other episodes of Inside the Post-Dispatch at stltoday.com slash podcasts or by searching Post-Dispatch in the iTunes Store or Google Play Music. And while you're there, be sure to check out the best podcast in baseball with Derek Gould and Benjamin Hockman.